You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. In Ecclesiastes, we discover that a life spent in pursuit of pleasure, achievement, and control will ultimately leave us empty-handed. Life isn't about what we can obtain, but about what we already have, and learning to receive it from God with gratitude. Welcome to Ecclesiastes, life as gift, not gain. So we are going to be in the last half of chapter nine and the first half of chapter 10. Uh, So if you're able, I encourage you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. This is a little bit of a lengthier passage. And so if you get tired uh, as we're reading through this, please do not pass out. Just sit on down. You'll be fine. Um, But sometimes I always go back and forth on how much to read. But this this passage, I felt like we need to read the whole thing. So we're going to go for it. Starting in verse 13, reading down to chapter 10. Verse 15, hear the word of the Lord. I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. The calm words of the wise are heeded more than shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart goes to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense. He shows everyone he is a fool. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post, for calmness puts great offense to rest. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler, The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich remain in lowly positions. I have seen slaves on horses, but princes princes walking on the ground like slaves. The one who digs a pit may fall into it. The one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. The one who quarries stones may be hurt by them. The one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, The advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. If the snake bites before its charm, there's no advantage to the charmer. The words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words from his mouth is folly, but the end of his speaking is evil madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No one knows what will happen And who can tell anyone what will happen after him? The struggles of fools weary them, for they don't know how to go to the city. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to you in love. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you once again for your kindness to us your patience, patience with us, the way you persevere uh, and give us the need of perseverance in our own lives, Lord. And Lord, we just ask once again, help us to hear 
What do you have to say to us this morning? Give us open hands, an open heart, a posture of openness today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So just in case this is the first Sunday you've been with us, we've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes over the course of the summer. And, and what we've uh, tried to unpack for you with is just the kind of the tagline of that, you know, let's, let's look at life, let's receive life as a gift, a posture of openness, life as a gift and not gain, that we're not after this constant pursuit of more or trying to get something out of this world that God had never intended to give us out of it. But let's approach this life and receive it as a gift. And so we've been in and out of trying to show different ways of what that looks like here recently. We've tried to help you see and how to kind of live out this life as a gift by, first of all, living in a wise manner. And so we unpacked a few weeks ago about what does that look like? What's the characteristics of someone who lives wisely? We came back last week and talked about um, uh, the, the, the invitation for us to enjoy life that this is a gift that God has given to us. And for us to enjoy that, sometimes as Christians, we can um, suffer under false guilt of not feeling bad about enjoying the good things of this life because we might, you know, commit adultery, idolatry by worshiping them too much or whatever. And, and God has given us these gifts. And one of the ways that we show our joy in him is by enjoying the gifts that he's given to us. And then today, what I want to do this... Um, this morning, because I do think this is a part of what it looks like to live life as a gift. And I want to talk a little bit about the fool. So if, if part of living life as a gift is to live wisely, to enjoy what God has given to us, the other aspect of it, even though it's kind of negative, we need to kind of hear that, is that we avoid foolishness. We avoid being a fool. Now, I don't know how that lands on you this morning. I I think you felt a little bit in my opening prayer. I, I feel like sometimes we can get a little defensive about stuff like this, especially when it's hard to hear it, when it's going to be um, something that may be a little wounding and, um, yeah, maybe pierce a little bit this morning. And my, my prayer um, is that you would kind of have a, 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 a posture in your own heart, like we talk about often, is just an openness. And Jesus is not out to get you. <laughs> He's not out to ruin your life. He's not out to make your life miserable. Jesus is a, a friend. And as we learned about a few weeks ago, a good friend will wound you. And Jesus is, is the epitome of a good friend, right? He's the most beautiful friend that you can ever have. And sometimes his words are wounding. And it's good for us, right, to hear this idea of avoiding foolishness, avoiding being a fool, because I, I don't know about you, I've been here for 10 years, and, and I get that sometimes I fall asleep when I was younger, and I didn't listen to a whole lot of what's going on here, and, and if you've been with us long enough, I've seen you fall asleep before as I talk, all right, and it's tons of grace for that, amen, I get that, uh, but I don't remember uh, hearing a lot of sermons that are unpacking the characteristics of a fool, and so for being commanded in some ways by the scriptures to not be foolish, then I need to kind of learn what is a fool so I can see what I am to avoid. Notice what um, the preacher does here. I know we, 
We started reading this at the end of chapter nine, and, and I know in our English translations, there's breaks and we need those, but sometimes the breaks are not necessarily a break in thought. So 9.13 actually bleeds into chapter 10. It kind of leads into a theme that I believe the preacher's trying to help us see here. And so notice, starting in verse 13 here of chapter nine, it kind of opens up with this story, doesn't it? It opens up this kind of make-believe that we think, it's probably a make-believe story here about you know, um, how wisdom saved a city. Look what he says here in verse 13. So I've observed that this is also is wisdom under the sun and, and it's significant to me that there was a small city with few men in it and a great king came against it, surrounded it, built a large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city and he delivered the city by his wisdom. And so if you just stop there and we didn't know the rest of the story because we just read the rest of the story a few minutes ago, how do you expect this to end? So here's a, a poor wise man that saves the city from this great king. And their army saves it by his own wisdom. What do you expect to happen here? Well, I expect it to kind of end up like Joseph, right? In the end of the book of Genesis, where he goes and interprets the dream, and he was a slave in prison, and then all of a sudden, by interpreting the dream, now he's second in command, and he saves the entire Egypt, saves his family, and then they leave happily ever after, right? It just feels like a wonderful movie that we all enjoy, right? We resonate with I, I don't know if you're a fan of La La Land, but that movie was out a long, long time ago. Anybody seen that movie? Yeah, I love that movie. It's really, really good. But the thing that, and this is spoiler alert, I don't know if you haven't seen it. Um, it might spoil a little bit, but it just doesn't end like you expect it to end. It doesn't end like a normal Hollywood movie, right? It kind of ends like, oh, I'm kind of sad that it ended like that, but I'm also glad it did because it kind of speaks to reality, right? A little bit. So Okay, if you haven't seen that movie, maybe go home and watch it and you'll see what I'm talking about. But this story doesn't end how we expect it, what happens. Yet no one remembered that poor man. Verse 16, he goes on, and I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. We could talk a whole lot about this little story, this little parable, so to speak, but look, the the parable is not a moral tale to show what people should do. It's a cautionary tale to show what they and we are like. I'll say this again. This is from a guy named Derek Kidner. He's been really helpful for me as I've worked through the book of Ecclesiastes. This little story, this, this little parable is not a moral tale to show what people should do. It's actually a cautionary tale to show what we are like. And what is he showing what we are like? Well, what we are like is that all of us have a bent, including me, a tendency to undervalue wisdom and overvalue foolishness. That all of us have this, some writers call this madness or the Bible talks about it as sin. So as a result of what took place in Genesis chapter three, when our parents, Adam and Eve, chose to not obey what God says, it brought sin into this world and has wreaked havoc on our world, has wreaked 
all kinds of destruction in our world. And it also wreaked havoc on us, inside of us, to where we have a bent. And part of that bent is that we all have a tendency to undervalue wisdom and overvalue foolishness. And I would even put before you, not only do we have that tendency to undervalue wisdom and overvalue foolishness, we have a tendency also to where it's hard for us to see how we value foolishness and undervalue wisdom. And the reason why it's hard for us to see it is because of one word. And what is that word? This is not a trick question. Just think a little bit. What's that one word? It's pride. So we, you'll see it here in just a few minutes. Like we come to a text like this that really lays out the characteristics of a fool. Like the bent in me is to go, oh yeah, I see that in, in him. I see that in her. Actually, I encountered that this week. But pride keeps us from taking this wonderful gift that God has given to us, and that is his word, and using it as a mirror first. And so that's what I'm inviting you to do, right? It's like, all right, open-handed posture, realize the bent that's going on in, in all of us, and let's use the word of God as a mirror first. And so what I want to do this morning, because I if you look in chapter 10, you'll see in this chapter that he uses the word fools or foolishness or folly at least nine times here, which gives us insight that that must be kind of a theme or an emphasis the writer's trying to lay out for us. And I want to give us, all right, and I, and I promise I'll work through these really fast because I know when I say the number, you're going to go, oh my gosh, we're never getting out of here and I'm starving. I want to work through quickly seven characteristics of a fool that's being outlined in this passage. And I'll do this quick. There might be two where I spend a few more minutes in, if you guys are okay with that. But I'll work through these seven. And remember, remember the first step is where do I see this in me? It's not do I, it's where do I see this in me? Jesus is a good friend. He's a good friend. And he wants you to avoid foolishness. So let's put a mirror before us. Number one. Fools are not inclined to what is good. Verse two, a wise person's heart goes to the right and a fool's heart to the left. This has absolutely nothing to do with politics. Amen? Nothing whatsoever. And if you think it has something to do with politics, then you're reading the Bible in a really horrible way. You got to understand, that was supposed to be a little bit of laugh. I need something from you guys this morning, man. You got to get with me. You got to understand a little bit of the historical context here. So obviously the heart is the inner life of an individual. And so a, a wise and a foolish person are set in completely different direction. A fool is inclined to that which is less valuable, which is a metaphorical language to speak of the left, less valuable, the less good. They are not inclined to what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, that which is excellent and praiseworthy. The fool is not inclined toward that. They are not inclined to what is good. Number two, I told you I have to go through these real quick. Number two, fools are loud and arrogant. Fools are loud and arrogant. Verse three, even when the fool walks 
along the road. His heart lacks sense and he shows everyone he is a fool. The NIV translates it like this. He shows everyone how stupid he is. One commentator says this, the fool exposes himself as one as he sets foot outside his door. They cannot conceal their folly. They can't hide it and they demonstrate their folly in public. Proverbs 12, verse 23, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Proverbs 3, 13, verse 16, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. A fool is too arrogant, full of themselves to refrain from airing their views with everyone they meet. He or she lacks sense. They tell everyone they are a fool by their very own behavior. A fool is loud and arrogant. Number three, a fool has absolutely no self-control. None. Verse four, if the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post for calmness puts great offenses to rest. So please hear me. This is not saying that there's never a time that you're to speak up, that there's never a time that you're to disagree, that there's never a time that you're saying, hey, look, stop yelling at me. I know you're my boss, but stop yelling at me. Treat me with dignity and honor and respect you. So that's not what the writer's trying to say here, but when he's talking about a fool, a fool is someone who is quick to quit. A fool is someone that lacks the calmness that is needed in the face of anger, that they have little to no self-control, that they respond from, with anger. When someone's angry at them, they respond back with anger. When someone insults them, they're gonna respond back with insults. If you raise your voice with me, I'm gonna raise my voice at you. There's no calmness, there's no Self-control in a fool. Number four, fools believe they are the exception. I want to show with the raising of your hand, but how many of us in this room have said, it won't happen to me? Look what he says in verse eight. The one who digs a pit may fall into it, and the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. No matter who you are, deep pits and snakes that coil up behind Middle Eastern walls exist as a matter of fact. The wise take such facts to heart and plan accordingly. The fool does not because they think they are the exception. He goes on in verse nine. The one who quarries stones may be hurt by them. The one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If you work with your hands, what will your hands eventually get? Calluses. And it doesn't matter who you are, right? If you work with your hands, your hands will get Calluses. A fool believes that they can quarry stones and not get hurt. A fool believes that they can split logs without danger. As one pastor says, like a man who used a chainsaw with no safety glasses is a one-eyed person who thinks his blindness is someone else's fault. That's a fool. A fool believes they or the exception. And this is like, this is the beauty of like Proverbs. And what I mean by Proverbs is not necessarily a big P, the book of Proverbs, but, but what we're reading here, these little pithy sayings, that's what you would call them a proverb. And, and the beauty of Proverbs is that, you know, it, sometimes it takes time to get what they're 
meaning here. It takes time of reflection and thinking. And even as you reflect and think, you can look at different implications within your own life. And you see it even in this little saying here that, that sometimes we as followers of Jesus Christ, Christ have a tendency to kind of bleed into this also without us even realizing it, that we actually think we're the exceptions because we have some kind of theological knowledge or we have some kind of like insider understanding of the promises of God that, that if, if I, you know, follow Jesus and do these things, then there's, there's ways that I'm going to avoid harm, harmful things happening to me or or we think, as I've said before, that we get some kind of insider understanding of when things happen in my life, I'm going to be able to make sense of it or, or you know, be able to make sense of whatever events that are happening here. There's, there's this ways that we even subtly go in here and think we're the exception. Zach Eswine says it like this. Sometimes the things that happen to us result simply from the fact that we live under the sun. We get hurt splitting logs, not because God is against us or we didn't keep God happy or Satan kicked our ladders out from under us, but simply because this is the way life is in the fallen world under the sun, no matter who we are, leader or follower, saint or sinner. We're not the exception either. And sometimes that foolishness can come out in our own thinking, in our own heart. Fools believe they are the exception. Number five, fools have little patience for limits. Look what he says here in verse 10. If the ax is dull and the one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. A fool believes that he has no time to sharpen his worn out blade. He believes rest exposes either weakness or loss. Fools don't slow down. Fools don't take time to need it, that to replenish themselves, to nourish themselves, to recover, to daily tune up. Because that seems like weakness. That seems like a waste of time. Zach Aswan goes on and says, a fool has no category for taking a long view by going slow, taking strategic rest and spending a day doing nothing but attending to the humdrum and boring necessity of sharpening tools. Fools get born with necessary and lasting things. They are entertained and dazzled by the fly-by-night flashes of moment. They view success as impatiently doing large and flashy things now. They consume time and use people in order to achieve it. They know nothing of the dignity of people, tools, rest, work, and necessary virtue for the long haul. Fools have no patience for limits. Number six, fools talk and talk and talk and talk. Verse 12, the words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious. So that extends both ways. They give, that's how you can read this and understand it. It gives favor and grace to those that receive it, as well as favor and grace upon yourself. And the reason why I get that is because of the second phrase here in verse 12, but the lips of a fool consume him. They destroy him. Well, how, Lao? How do they consume him? Because a fool always 
has to have the last word. They keep the fight going. They won't admit wrong. They have no empathy for how you feel. They have an answer for everything. They defend every slight. They just keep going and going and going. Proverbs 20 verse three says this. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Proverbs 18, six, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. <laughs> Thank you. It's supposed to be kind of humorous. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a sneer to his soul. The preacher goes on in verse 13, the beginning of the words from his mouth is folly. They made me seem silly at the start, kind of something to laugh at. But look what he says. But the end of his speaking is evil madness. Literally, it's insanity. Verse 14, yet the fool multiplies words. He just keeps talking. No one knows what will happen and who can tell anyone what will happen after him. Talk is the test of wisdom and a fool continually talks about subjects that he knows nothing about. That's what he's trying to get after in the last part of verse 14, that fools have a tendency to speak with certainty, things that are uncertain. And we, including myself as a people, are drawn to people that have this certainty about them. They, they, they speak with this kind of confidence and certainty about everything, especially things that are like, that probably needs to be better nuanced. That doesn't feel like it should be that strong of certainty there, but there is something in us that are drawn to that. And the writer here of Ecclesiastes is going, look, that's foolish behavior, possibly. It goes on, Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, which is pretty convicting of me when I do this every single Sunday and I talk a lot. But look, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, verse 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent, but he can't. He can't. A fool talks and talks, and talks. Number seven, fools fill in the blank. And the reason why it's fill in the blank is verse 15 is a little hard to kind of know exactly what the preacher's getting after. My attempt is, that's why I got it in parentheses, right? Fools make the simplest things hard. Look what he says here in verse 15. The struggles of fool Fools weary them, for they do not know how to go to the city. 
This verse here is kind of the, the tailpiece of the fool himself. The last kind of comment that he makes about the fool here in chapter 10. And it is a little difficult to kind of know exactly what the writer means here. But what seems to be said here, as one commentator says, is a fool is the kind of person who gets the simplest things wrong. They could get lost even if you put them on an escalator. A fool is someone who makes things needlessly difficult for himself by his own stupidity. And that is why the fool is weary. The fool makes even the simplest things hard and difficult. So Lau, what do we, what are we to do with this, right? And, and just like I even said a few weeks ago when we talked about the characteristics of the wise, and guys, this is not an exhaustive list any stretch of the imagination. Like I encourage you, if you want to do an exploration of what a fool is, go home and Google fool in the book of Proverbs and then just spend a few weeks working through that because there's a lot more. This is not an exhaustive list. And so my goal is not for us to take these seven things and go, okay, let's learn all the seven, whatever it is. I'm just like I invited you to do with wisdom and do the same thing with foolishness. Which one of these, as we walk through, resonate more with you or maybe describes you or maybe just felt something in your gut? So what I want to encourage us to do as a result of what we see here is number one, and this is the movement that I encourage with a lot of things that are hard to hear and have kind of open-handed posture, even from, the, from wounds of Jesus, so to speak, that can be really difficult to receive. The first one is this, is that we do look to Jesus. So the first step is not look in, right? If I look in first, sometimes that can be pretty discouraging. But when I look to Jesus first, right? The one who pursues foolish people like you and me, the one who was never a fool, he is the embodiment of perfect wisdom. And he is one who went to the cross and died for all of our foolish behavior. And in Christ, if we receive him, we can be made new, we can be made whole, not perfect, but made new and whole. And so we look first to him, right? That's, that's the first movement. And then after that, we do we look in. We look in. And if you're a Christian here, guys, look at me, listen to me. Look, you're not a fool. That is not who you are. That's who you were. But that is not who you are anymore. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then, then what is true about Jesus is also true about you. And what is true about Jesus is that he was never a fool. He is the embodiment of perfect wisdom as we see in the book of Proverbs as a whole. He is a man who lived and acted wisely and you are now in Christ. And so God sees you as he sees Jesus here. So look, you're, you're no longer a fool. That is not your identity. However, however, you still have foolishness in you and you still have foolish behavior. And so knowing, look, knowing that that I'm no longer a fool, right? Because I am in Christ. 
empowers me. It gives me the freedom and I feel the safety to where I can come to him and say, all right, yeah, I'm pretty arrogant. It's really hard for me to hear critique. Yeah, when someone responds in anger, I, I, I'm quick to, to follow suit. You know, so not in like some kind of guilt condemning way, but because we're safe with God in and through Jesus, we can bring that to him and say, Lord, help me, help me. So we look to the perfect one. His name's Jesus. And we're looking in saying, Where, where's some foolish tendencies and behaviors that are in me that, Lord, I, I don't want. I want to be conformed to the image of you. I want to be more and more like you. And then as we do that work in us, then we look around us. Not also in some kind of point the finger, you're a fool, staying away from you. You're a fool, staying, I'm the fool guy. I'm alerting everybody around my company and in my neighborhood of all the fools, right? That, no, no. The reason why we start with within, start here, is so that we can respond with grace to those that are around us. But listen to me, and I say this with all kindness. Look, all of us in this room, including me, are tempted to follow people and listen to people who are fools. And the reason why is because all of us have a bent within us that has a tendency to value foolishness and to undervalue wisdom. And so every single one of us in this room make decisions on who we're going to listen to and who we're going to follow. And if you don't know what a fool is, based on what it says in the Bible, then there's probably a good chance you may be following and listening to a fool. Because here's the deal, guys. Nobody's walking around with a big sign going, I'm a fool, don't listen to me. That's too easy. They may call themselves a pastor. And that's hard to hear. But that is true. So beware of the one who makes light and laughs at what is evil. Beware of the loud person who always has the answer. Beware of the one who lacks self-control. Beware of the one who speaks often about how much they work and how little they rest. Beware of the one who thinks they are the exception. Beware of the one who just will not be quiet and still and listen. Beware of the person who has a trail of wounded people behind him. We look to Jesus. It empowers us to look in. And then we look around. And our desire as a church is that we would be the embodiment of the wisdom of Jesus. 
wherever he sends us. That is a deep need for our community. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to be still, to allow the Spirit to speak in any way that he wants in our lives. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.